Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Hour number two of the early line, Dane and Kevin, we talk football in hour number two. And, you know, Kev, outside, I guess, Cam Newton, the biggest name still out there, in my opinion, is Davion Clowney, right? And we've been talking periodically about the teams that may be interested in him, about what his asking price may be. And, you know, it started at what, like 21, 22 million. And then we heard, oh, he's willing to knock it down a little bit to kind of like the Zadaria Smith level of last year for the pass rusher, around, say, 17 million. And we thought his market was going to heat up. That was a few weeks ago. Kev, and he hasn't signed anywhere. We th- we heard yesterday Adam Schefter and others saying that, you know, there's a team out there that offered him what he was asking for, and he turned it down, and it's the Cleveland Browns. I find this interesting because you and I have been high on the Browns. Imagine him opposite Miles Garrett. They have the money to spend, and it sounds like he they offered him a bunch of money, and he said no. So... Do you think he's got beef with the Browns? Do you think he secretly wants another team to come calling? Do you think he wants more money? What do you think is ultimately the end of this storyline? Because I thought it was going to be as soon as the team gave him the money that he wanted. We're hearing that the Browns have offered a ton of money, but Clowney still said no. Yeah. What do you think is involved in this, Kev? So let me, because from what I saw about the Clowney thing, right? Now, I know it has certainly been listed as the highest offer made to him. Yes. But does that mean that they met the number that he's actually looking for? Because uh, this is this my understanding was that they gave him what he asked for. And maybe they did. I from from how I saw it phrased, it was just the highest offer that had been made to him, right? And mm-hmm. I just if that's the separator here for Jadavion Clowney, it's not a great sign. Right. Because as much as I taught we've talked about Cam can wait for this, you know, inevitable injury and get signed. Devonta Freeman could wait for an inevitable injury and be signed. I don't know if the same is true for Jadavion Clowney. Right. I don't know if a edge rusher position, goes, right? The need yeah, is now. I, yeah, I just I don't know if an edge rusher goes down on a contender and all of a sudden you're willing to give Jadavion Clowney right. a long-term twenty million dollar deal. Like Cam and Freeman come in on these one-year deals. To you know, to do what it is, depending on those teams, Clowney is sitting there waiting for this like five-year, hundred million dollar deal that's not coming. It's not out there. So to to not go to Cleveland, like if I were him, and again, we don't necessarily know the full details of what Cleveland was offered, right? Right. But I would take the highest one-year deal made available to me from Cleveland. I'd go to a team that we're both relatively high on, right? I mm-hmm. would, you know. I know that there's been some interesting uh, odds offered to FanDuel Sportsbook. Like if they have the specific finishes for the AFC North, like if you could bet them to finish second, I think would be an interesting bet. Right. Um, to go there, play opposite Miles Garrett, who will, despite maybe what people think, take more attention than Jadavion oh, Clowney. Either one of them singled up on a lineman is problem. Right. So, like, Jadavion Clowney could go there one year, big money deal Cleveland, potentially perform, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe even play at a high level if the Browns are able to make the playoffs, like I think the both of us believe is certainly plausible for this football team, and then turn around and be like, okay, now what? And maybe even Cleveland then will be like, no, you're our guy. We right. loved having you here. We had a great season. I don't know if, if Judavion Clowney does not seem to be operating in a realistic mm-hmm. enough world to me. No, because maybe maybe he got the highest offer and that was like seven million dollars, and right. he should, you know, okay, I understand him pushing that to the side. Although I would still then argue that should be jarring to you that that maybe is the highest number, and I don't think that that's the highest number. Yeah, I don't think that's what it is. But if he wanted twenty and he got offered fifteen, what are we doing here? Yeah, at some point you're gonna have to bite the bullet, right? It's the same with like Devonte Freeman, uh, who apparently turned down four million from Seattle, right? Yeah. Uh, at some point you're gonna have to accept what's out there. 
Um, and that point may be different for a running back, for an edge rusher, for a quarterback, what have you. But I think the, the theory is the same. If you are realizing that the market is not what you thought it was, yeah. you're either going to wait or you're going to settle. And it seems like Jadavion Clowney doesn't want to settle. It seems like Devontae Freeman, right, who's throwing out the idea that I'll sit out the year, doesn't want to settle. So meanwhile, guys like Jameis Winston settled. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I can maybe say for Clowney, right? Like, you look at the teams that I would say he's been have, uh, the most linked with. Browns, Titans, Titans, and the Browns. Seahawks. Right. And the Browns and the Titans specifically, both being in the AFC, both being in a comparable region in sure. terms of expectations. And maybe he's, hoping, maybe he's hoping that there could be some type of bidding war between the two for his services to try and squeeze a little bit extra out of it. Because one of the things that I remember asking you like multiple shows in a row until you were like, look, check it. There's not a rush right now. And I was like, oh, that's simple enough. So maybe Jadavion Clowney's like, listen, I get it. Appreciate it, Cleveland. But unless you hit my number and no one's in training camp, I ain't signing until I actually have to. Which in that essence then- I can't I, I can't knock him for he has every right to wait if he wants, you know, yeah. to think that there is a better deal out there. Um, I believe, you know, by the middle of the summer, we're going to have to figure this out if he wants to have a real chance. But, you know, I think he does have like another month if he wants to wait, if he thinks something better behind door number two is coming his way. You know, you talk about bidding war. In order to have a bidding war, you need multiple offers. It doesn't sound like he has any or just one to kind of play off the other. So it's definitely a market we're going to have to continue to monitor. Another thing we've been continuing to monitor, Kevin, is the changes to the idea of the onside kick. We talked about the fourth and 15. We talked about if we liked it, um, the pieces that were weird to us, how certain teams could benefit off of it. But this is any evolving proposal. So I do want to put out a couple of things that they added to the format of the new onside kick and see if you like them. One is that they've made the clarification. You can't do this in overtime. You cannot do this in overtime. So if you're kicking off, I can't start by being like, you know what? I'm just going to go fourth and 15 and keep the ball away from you. So that's one clarification of the new onside proposal. Another, and I think this is very interesting, is that if they teams do this, it will now be called an untimed down. The clock will not run during this, okay? And remember things like, you know, in the playoffs, how the Tennessee Titans got you on the offsides and the punt and just running off the clock. I also am reminded, oh boy, and don't get me started on this one. At the end of the Super Bowl this year, you know how Patty Mahomes with the clock running just like ran around at the back because the The clock was running? That's what cost him to go under on his rushing prop after having it beat by 15, 20 yards. And I certainly lost that by half a yard, but I digress. So it's going to be an untimed down, right? So you can't, for example, um, you know, do this because you're up by a little bit, uh, you know, or it's tied and be like, oh, I'm going to do this down and just have my quarterback run around for 30 seconds to kill clock. It's an untimed down. The other thing that I think is interesting And I mentioned this because, you know, your offense is out in the field. So there's no surprise anymore. Okay, if a team puts their offense out there, but then wants to change their mind, Kevin, they can. But it'll cost them a timeout to get the special teams back on the field. So these are three additions, tweaks, clarifications to the proposal. Do you like them? Can't happen in overtime, untimed down, and you can change your mind and go back to the special teams out there, put your kicker out there, but it'll cost you a timeout. Um, Any general reactions? Are these smart additions to the policy? Untimed down, great call. Love that. No arguments to be had there. Overtime rule on its surface, it makes a lot of sense to me. But then I think you probably could argue the rule could jump simply be had as this is you can only do this after a scoring play, meaning it eliminates it from the first kickoff of the game and the first kickoff of halftime mm. as well. Because that to me then sounds like fair is fair is fair. Um, the last rule is my favorite rule because, <laughs> right, the idea of like, ah, the defense is not giving us what we thought, right. call a timeout. And, like, let's just do a a completely different thing sounds very drastic. And I don't know how many teams would actually do that. 
the really like they probably have to get a timeout anyway because the play clock probably runs right, to down. The personnel, like yeah, like because that's a drastic, like a very yeah. very drastic personnel change. I will say though, I am absolutely finding it hilarious knowing that someone is going to get a delay of game trying to set up their fourth and fifteen play and then have to go fourth and twenty and then just be like, oh, never yeah. mind, never mind, never right. mind. We're just gonna kick it away. Sorry, you we know suck. What's interesting. Also, on these fourth and fifteen plays, I'd always use the hard count, right? Try and get it to fourth and ten. You know, try and get a guy <laughs> offside. Why not? Right, right, right. You know, why not give it a shot? It's gonna be very interesting. And what happens if there's a pass interference call or a holding call on these plays? I'd Automatic be very first down. Great yeah. question. If there's a defensive penalty, that's like a five-yard penalty, but an automatic first down. You know, holding, defensive holding. That's an intriguing point to me. I think if there's offensive holding and it becomes fourth and 25, then you just switch and you say, all right, I'm kicking off. So it's going to be another interesting thing to monitor. That's what we do here, give you the edge on Sports Grid. I want to bring up one other story before we dive into the Denver Broncos, who are re receiving our spotlight today in hour number two of the early line. You know, I know that you're into wrestling. I know we talked about the XFL wow. that has shut down. Did you know, Kev, that the XFL may not be dead? There are investors out there that are intrigued by maybe buying the XFL and yeah. giving it another go in 2021. Now, obviously, with the pandemic, um, they weren't able to keep the league sustainable, but there's people coming in being like, we'll take a shot at it because they had something, didn't they, Kevin? They were some elements of this league that we liked, we thought could be sustainable. And so maybe someone else is going to come on in and try and run it. it. It existed for four weeks. I think there's, you know, I saw some people taking some victory that like laps saying, I told you this wouldn't last. You people suck. <laughs> it was a pandemic that shut this thing That's down. Right. And that was the thing, man. Like there were some people who, you know, always felt like this thing could fail. And maybe you were right. But the idea that you can judge it based on four weeks from a pandemic. Now, no, this wasn't some booming, you know, booming thing, but it just existed. When things just begin, like you don't know the players, you don't, you know, you're learning a lot about it, right? And I think one of the things that would have been the best test case would have been the playoffs. What kind of, how would they, how would they have done ratings-wise? How would they have done attendance-wise? So I believe that this is a very, very smart decision for someone to go out there and try and pick up the pieces yeah. of the XFL. I think that this is going to be something that, again, like staying power, I'm not sure. But I think anybody that tells you definitively we saw that the XFL can't work in 2020, I personally believe is, is, is arguing in bad faith. Right. Yeah, I actually believe that was proven was that it could work, at least better than the AAF. It had a television contract. It had some intriguing pieces of buzz that got people to the set or to the stands. Um, so I, I think it is interesting. What's interesting to, for me is if they do do this, remember next year, the sports calendar is going to be moved and packed and you know there will be double booking going on. I wonder where the XFL fits in. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin continuing our team-by-team -team roster reset and giving you the way-too-early line on some teams as we try to find some future value with every team in the NFL. Today, we shine our spotlight on the Denver Broncos. I think the Denver Broncos, Kev, are a very interesting team. And I'll tell you one thing. They certainly, in the offseason, got second-year quarterback Drew Locke a number of weapons. I remember after the draft saying that after what we've seen, there's two players in the NFL that it's like, now it's up to you. One of them was Dak Prescott, and we've had that conversation. The other one, for me, is Drew Locke. I mean, think about the weapons that they have acquired for the Broncos, not only in the draft, but in free agency as well. What do you expect from this offense, Kev? I'm excited. I, I don't know how you couldn't be. I, I mean, you know, Jerry Judy was, for me, my top receiver uh, in this class. I think it's why I tried to will into existence with my uh, – team to draft a Jerry Judy Eagles bet that I made. That was nothing but a waste of money. Um, I think that that was a great move for them. I like them doubling up and getting KJ Hamler yeah. in the second. 
I don't necessarily love the Melvin Gordon contract, but I'm not paying him. And for right. this year, I think that it could I think it could work for them. Now, due to efficiency and pass catching work, you know, some people might say Philip Lindsay is a better back. I don't really care. I think that it's going to work out nicely to have both of those guys. What are we talking I think about, a, right? The more, the merrier. I think we're talking about a strong backfield. Oh, by the way, Cortland Sutton completely broke out last year as a very, very, very talented wide receiver. The offensive line uh, has been improved. Another talent that they added was Lloyd Cushenberry, yeah. the center out of LSU, who I think could come in and produce nicely for this team. And then you've got Drew Locke. Look, he's the center of attention when it comes to all of this. Last year impressed me a lot more, you know, than I, than I was expecting. So I don't know how you're anything other than excited for this offense. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. And you mentioned Judy. Don't forget KJ Hamler. They doubled down in the second round. A great idea for a slot kind of receiver, like you say, with Judy and now Cortland Sutton on the outside. I also believe, um, I'm going to get his last name wrong, Kev. Help me out. But Albert O, the tight end out of Missouri, who, by the way, runs like a 4.8 or something yeah. like that. Speed, you know, ridiculous amounts. And by the way, he was from Missouri. You know who his quarterback was in college in Missouri? Oh, yeah, Drew Locke. You pair him now with Noah Fant, a tight, on, a tight end that's coming on. Yeah. And I really do believe, you know, the wide receiver group, above average. The running back room, above average. Not one but two tight ends that could move the needle. You mentioned they addressed an offensive line. I also believe this is a strong defense, right? Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and a defensive-minded head coach. This is really all about Drew Locke. Now, you say... You were encouraged by what you saw, and I was too, mm -hmm. but it was four games, Kev, and that's the biggest open question for me about the Denver Broncos 2020 season, right? He yeah. showed signs of encouragement. I understand that, and we've seen it happen before, right? Uh, Patty Mahomes looked good in one game and then dominates the next season, right? Jimmy G looks good in a few games and then can you know continue to win the following season. For me... The jury is still out. Like, if Drew Locks takes a step, there's no reason these Broncos can't completely overperform. I think the Cushionberry pick is good also to kind of fortify the offensive line. But this is all about Drew Locke. So are you a Drew Locke fan? I mean, look, he was 4-1 and one as a starter. Like, yeah. he, you know, he had seven touchdowns to three interceptions. He, he was good. He was, he was good. Was he, he didn't blow the doors off, right? But I think one of the things that I'm trying to be better about is basically if Drew Locke was picked first overall, people would be saying that the Denver Broncos have their man, no questions asked. Right. Now, part of that is an unfair comparison, right? Because a guy goes first overall for a reason, and it confirms what we've seen. If we're getting something different from Drew Locke, then it's fair to be skeptical. And I think that's why, you know, even with the Gardner Minshew, we have our pauses. Overall, I mean, one of the other things I kind of want to pin back to you, right, like, do they have a top, let's call it 12, yeah. wide receiver core in the NFL? I mean, we don't know what Judy is, but, sure, but it's possible. Yeah. I mean, that's a very, very strong group, right? You talked about Albert O. Noah Fant is going to, I think, probably be pretty damn good this year. One of the things that I've learned from the fantasy community more than anybody else, the fantasy community will always let you know that tight ends don't come on early. The idea of right. rookie tight ends breaking yes. out is Absolutely. not a thing. But now, as you know, Noah Fan enters year two, who started to come on later in the season, and you see a nice year from Noah Fan. Melvin Gordon is a solid running back. Philip Lindsay is yep. a is a very, very good running back, especially when you factor in his pass catching work. Like he's got unless this offensive line crumbles into bits, everything is there working for Drew Locke due to the what we saw. In that, again, very small five-game sample. Five games. And honestly, I mean, some of them were not great. You know, some of them are not great at all. I mean, 134 yards in week 13. Uh, 177 yards. A 16-15 mm -hmm. game against the Raiders. Uh, 192 yards against the Lions. So, I mean... He had a great game against the Texans, yeah. 22 of 27, 309 yards, three touchdowns. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, three of these five games don't really move the needle. I would say outside of that Texans game, yeah. these other games were not incredibly impressive. No, they, they weren't necessarily – they weren't – like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he didn't come out and look like Patrick Mahomes, right? right. But he came out and he had his moments. Also, if I remember that Charger – 
So that Chargers game, I, I have a better memory of because um, – so I was, I was getting ready. You know, I do the 4 o'clock in-game live. Right. And I was, you know, hanging out down, down in the pit with everybody beforehand. And mm-hmm. Gabe uh, Marenzi is on with Scott Wetzel. And Scott Wetzel is telling everybody that Drew Locke is terrible. And that flipped Gabe. They had an incredible argument about <laughs> Drew Locke being good. Gabe said, now I'm betting Drew Locke heavier than ever. Basically, if you watch two people fight over something, you're going to be paying heavy attention. And Drew Locke came out in the first quarter, looked like – he did look like Patrick Holmes there. Hmm. Like, they came out, they had a big lead on the Chargers in that football game. And I wondered if they then started to pull back, a little bit more runs, you know what I mean? Like, it, it was a very, very interesting game. But Drew Locke made a lot of big plays. I know he threw at least one, if not both those touchdowns to Cortland Sutton. Mm. look it was it was his first game too right like the fact that game number two was as good as it was against still what is a poor texans defense i just there is reason i think this is a type of team you see how the schedule plays out for them right like they're yeah. not above a schedule right like right. the chiefs are above a schedule the Ravens yeah, are you. above a schedule bad spots would hurt them yeah right like we were ready. If I remember when we did the Thursday night football schedule, we saw their trip to New York for the yep. Jets on a Thursday exactly. night. So this is a team that you don't necessarily think overcomes the bad spot because they're elite talent. But if things go right for them, it could work out. So let me draw your attention to some of the futures bets, Kev. All right. Their win total is seven and a half. Even juice on both sides. They are minus money to make the playoffs on the no side. Minus 225 that they will not qualify for the playoffs plus 180 if you're a little encouraged by drew lock and the crew they're 11 and 1 to win the afc west obviously with the chiefs there um and if you like cd lamb and you think this is a top 12 wide receiver group you could get cd lamb at 12 to 1 excuse me 15 to 1 to be the rookie of the year jerry judy though excuse me that's right jerry judy um, to be rookie of the year, I get those guys confused up at the top of the, uh, you know, up at the top of that mm-hmm. uh, bet. So we'll double check on that. But how are you playing the futures for the Denver Broncos? What is the best way, as I say, to skin the cat? So if I'm not mistaken, last year this team was seven and nine, right? And again, a lot of that had to do with a four yep. and one finish to the season from Drew Locke. Do you take that close to the season? The fact that they were seven and nine last year with, you know, Joe Flacco starting things out. They lost a couple close ones. I know for sure. Um, they lost a game on like a fifty crazy yarder from Eddie Pinero. Yeah, the Dinero from Pinero. Right. I was like we like, or something. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was like the final piece of remember how I told you I had that like big sixteen teaser that made me think I could actually hit teasers? That was like the final piece that came home that made me that then I proceeded to give all the money back. Um, unbelievable, man. Anyway, yeah, so like they were right there on the cusp of this last year. We completely are sitting here agreeing that this roster is better, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the offense, yeah, no, it's a good point. You know, that, that's another good point. Defensively, there's two there's two big things looming, right? They lose Chris Harris Jr. to yep. in division as well. This there's this weird thing with the West where they just share a lot of talent, right? Right. Like Melvin they, like Gordon, Melvin Gordon comes team, back. Yep. It's what it is. So they lose him. There's also the coronavirus stuff with Von Miller. Von Miller got COVID and was not asymptomatic. Now, part of that is is him being asthmatic, I believe. And he mentioned how very, very so difficult it was for him. And one of the things that we've not seen, right? Like, so the idea around Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell is they'll be back. No problem. But they were actually asymptomatic is, is what we ended up finding out. We don't know how an athlete is who is symptomatic to covid is yeah. going to respond and von miller if you know if you're someone who's willing to use the grades of pro football focus probably the worst year of his career last year so if von miller was maybe it was a down year maybe he's declining a little bit now even a declining von miller is probably still one of the pretty good 15 best defensive players in football but if this coronavirus thing could impact von miller all of a sudden we're talking about a Broncos team that is completely yep. flipped on their head from usually being a, a as reliable as it gets defensive team right. to a struggling defensive group with an offensive unit that's going to have to carry them in a lot of spots. Right. Part of the reason I don't think they're going to struggle defensively, though, is the coaching. 
right? They got a big-time defensive mind there in Vic Fangio. I think he's going to make sure that the, that defense works. I think that's why they invested so much on the offensive side of the ball. I got to press you, though. If you're going to make right now a futures bet on the Broncos, what would it be? You like the win total? You like them maybe taking a stab at making the playoffs? Because then we're going to test it going game by game after the break. So we only got a minute left. Give me your best futures bet for Denver. I think based on what, on, on what we've got right here, I think it has to be the over seven and a half. All right. A lot of quarterbacks take that leap in year two. Okay. Drew Locke had enough of a foundation in, in those first five games to where any type of leap would suggest this team be pretty right. competitive due to a strong quarterback situation surrounded by great pieces. And they were a 7-9 team last year. So if they're going to be able to step forward on the offensive side of the ball, and as you put it, right, like last year they were 13th in defensive DVOA, mm -hmm. it was somewhat of a down year, Vic Fangio's first year. Give Vic another year with that defense. They probably should get themselves back into the top 10 where they usually are. That seven and a half number at, as you mentioned, pretty much an even price, either way yeah. you slice it, I think is definitely worth the attention. All right, so we're going to find out. We're going to go game by game on the Denver Broncos. I think we've boiled it down to its essence, right? If Drew Locke takes the step forward, this has the potential to be a dangerous surprise 2020 team. The question is, how big do you believe in that if? Uh, we'll see game by game what Kevin thinks when we come back. We look at the Broncos schedule right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's the early line on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, today we're looking at the Denver Broncos. And we've come to, to be quite honest, my favorite point of every day where we get Kevin to pick the game by game because it's interesting we yeah. think what they should be how they've evolved right where value might be but we make the point every single day the idea of the rhythm of the schedule really has something to do with it right mm -hmm. and so the Denver Broncos have a few primetime games we'll see if they get lucky there where the buy falls if they have mini buys I'm also you know Kev early in the season they usually have like back-to-back -back home games usually and teams yeah. come in there at altitude and are not ready and they're sucking wind and it's a boon for the Denver Broncos usually early on two of their first three games are at home do you consider that do you buy that teams coming into Denver at the altitude yeah I mean it usually applies I think Denver though to some degree lost a touch of uh, their lure when yeah. they had what I thought was that? one of the Bigger upsets that I can remember, but it's more of an obscure upset. Man, I want to say it was two or three years ago. They were playing the Giants in Denver, mm. week four or so. And the Giants were off to this ridiculously awful offensive start. Like, they just right. could not move the football. Denver was their usual dominant defensive selves. I even remember, like, saying, like, oh, do you think that Denver's DFS price could break the record for like what you would price a DFS a defense. defense at. And they lost. <laughs> like, they lost. And it was one of those things, like, you know, at the time, like, obviously, again, I wasn't as entrenched in the gambling world, and maybe I would have, you know, been able to learn the tricks of the trade where you could see an upset coming. But that moment right there, I'm like, ah, screw it. Anyone can win anywhere. Like, it was just <laughs> one of those weird things. The other thing I would just, I wanted to let you know is the other day I jumped on uh, with Cam and Gabe on GTD. And uh, they, they brought up the match, and I, I knew they were going to get hated, but it was one of those things where I couldn't help myself, so I had to let them know. Yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I had them going 13-3, and three, <laughs> and they basically kicked me off air instantly after I had told them that. But right. I got to think that it was the best publicity we could ever get for the early line. I'm sure there's now tons of people who are checking us out, seeing where the Denver Broncos may land. And um, they're not going to be 13-3, and three, but if I have anything to say about it, maybe they'll be like 12-4. All right, well, let's find out. Remember, seven and a half is the win total. Let's see if we get daylight one way or the other and where this starts. They start at home, Monday night football. They're the first Monday nighter of the mm -hmm. season. They usually do that doubleheader. This is game. will be up. It's uh, Tennessee coming to town to Denver. 
Yeah, look, this is an incredible first start, right here, isn't game. it? I mean, like you're 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 talking about Monday night in Denver, and these are teams that could be on even footing, right? Like we just yeah. talked about how the Titans and the Browns could see themselves mm-hmm. in kind of the same area of the AFC. The Broncos are trying to be in that range. Right. Ooh, I am gonna go with Denver to right. start it off. Home win, Monday Night Football at home. Drew Locke gets off to a good start. They go week two to Pittsburgh. No, shorter no. week. Pittsburgh is still, to me, going to be have a, have a much special. better season. Yeah. All right, they come back home to Denver. They see TB12 and the Bucks. Yeah, this was actually the one that you and I talked about. Right. Um, about, like, man, like where was I too generous to Tampa Bay? And you said this could certainly be a spot. Could be. And I think I, I think you're totally I think you're totally spot on. It could be. But again, for you know, for not only continuity sakes, but I still just think that Tampa Bay could be a step above them. Uh, I will go with the Buccaneers in this spot as well. All right, fair enough. To be consistent, remember we did the Thursday night football schedule. You said this one, week four, Thursday mm-hmm. night, was one that made a difference. The Broncos are the team that's in a bad spot. They travel across country. They go to New York to see the Jets on Thursday night football. Denver traveling to play the Jets, even on Sunday night, would have given me pause. For this to be on a Thursday, it's a great spot for the Jets. All right, so this is a bad start. You have them one and three out the gate in the first month of the season. It does not get any easier. They stay on the road. They travel upstate, and they go to New England. So I have the Broncos here. Hmm. To me, the mini-buy matters. Okay. And I still don't know what to make of this Patriots squad. I I know that this defense has all of the abilities to be still maybe a top five unit. Right, confuse Jared Stidham. But, like, there's a lot of offensive talent that's walking in behind a Broncos team on a, really? on a mini bye. And a Broncos defense that can, I think, give Jared – I mean, if you don't think that, Vic Fangio can give Jared Stidham nightmares. Like, I'm going with Denver off a mini bye in Foxborough. All right. That's an interesting one. So, like, listen, you got to plant the flag somewhere. We're going to hold you to it, Kevin. So after five weeks, you have them two and three. They come back home, and they have two games at home back-to-back – the first is Miami, and then is the Chiefs. How do they get through that? Dolphins, Chiefs, both at home. They get Miami, okay. and they would lose to the Chiefs. I will tell you this, though. That Miami spot's fascinating to me mm. because if they beat New England. Right. They're riding they're, high. Right. They, right, And you know how that like team's like, oh, we're amazing. Yeah. Oh, no, we just let Tua throw for 400 yards on us at home. Right. That's another. That's, that's like the second or third time that could Miami's be a trap spot, up. especially like you said. You had them beating the Patriots. Miami coming in with Kansas City on the horizon. It could be one of those trap games. Yeah, I. I but I'm still going to give it to Denver to handle business back at home, but then lose to the Chiefs. Okay, so you have them splitting those. You have them three and four heading into their bye week, which is week eight. Okay, right. so they get the bye. All right, they're three and four. Then they have a two-game road trip. Mm. All right. They're on the road for the next two at Atlanta and then to Vegas, baby. They see the Falcons and the Raiders. They're three and four now. You think they get in either of these? Can you tell me where Atlanta is coming from? Because it's, you know, week nine. So Atlanta week eight. I have to bring it on up. But Atlanta week eight. Ooh, they will have a mini buy. Atlanta okay. will have a mini buy at Carolina. They played week eight Thursday night at Carolina. So they have the mini buy when Denver comes to town. So that's not good for Denver. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad then we looked that up. Um, so that's a win for Atlanta. Okay. And what about then, going to Vegas? You know what? Let's. I'm going to. My plan is to maybe reverse this around. Denver wins in Vegas. And what about Atlanta? They lose in Atlanta, though. So you have them one and one in that stretch, still right around 500. Remember, this is a seven and a half win total. You have them continuing right around 500. They are four and five by your stretch. Then they have a two-game homestand, but it ain't easy. Chargers and Saints come into Denver. Another one-on-one? Yeah, another one-on-one. Give them the Chargers game, they lose. They've got the Chargers. They lose when the Saints come in. They go five and six. Um, then this is a Sunday night tilt. They go to Arrowhead for Sunday night. 
No, that's five and seven. <laughs> I mean, no. you, made it, you made it obvious. It's all right. Um, this is a two-game road trip, though. They were at Kansas City. Then after Kansas City on the Sunday night, they go to Carolina. West to east in Carolina, 1 o'clock Eastern start. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great call. I, I'll, I'll lean Panthers in that spot. It's a, yeah, it's a This is where it could unravel now for them, right? Yeah. So you have five and eight at this point with three games left. They come home, not an easy matchup, but a matchup of a team that I think will have something to play for. Here you have the Broncos five and eight. They welcome the Buffalo Bills to town. I will go with Denver. I think those are the kind of games where Buffalo is going yeah. to me. Right, like in their growing up process, right? These are the games that they need to, but they may not win. I'll give you that one. Okay, you have them six and eight. Then they go to Los Angeles to see the Chargers. That's a loss. That's a they, loss. They, yeah, you have they, five and nine. Yeah, no. And then in the last game of the season, it is a home game. They have to see the Raiders again, and that's who comes to town to finish off the season. Um, so I, I had them getting the first one in Vegas. Right. I know. I know. You know, Denver's a, but I think Vegas could be in a, a bit of a disaster come down the stretch of this year. So I'm gonna go with the Broncos in, to close it out with a win. All right, so fair enough. Their win total was seven and nine. You said you liked them, and you got them a couple of wins, you know, at New England and some others, but you still have them finishing seven and nine, Kevin. So with that being said, yeah. we talked about their bets, right, the seven and a half. Are you now more likely maybe to say no on the playoffs at minus money, minus around 200? With this context, now yeah. how do you want to bet Denver? So – this to me kind of lined up with one of the things that I looked at, you know, is their strength of schedule was one of the, it, it, was, it was like top five in terms of difficulty based on projected win totals. And I think I saw that kind of play out here with, with this schedule. It, it is just, it is not very, very kind to them. Um, I believe they welcome in the saints and Tampa Bay. I know Tampa yeah. Bay, I believe they will. Right. And that's what you and I have talked about. Like, do you want your toughest games at home or away? But it's hard, like, you know, I don't believe that they're in the same category for Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Right. And they had to, they, they actually went 0-4 versus the NFC South in this little exercise that we just did here because of the bad spot with Atlanta. And then, right. you know, I ended up going yep. with Carolina. The Chiefs, both times we've went through this, the, the, the Chiefs, one is at home. The other time the Chiefs have extra rest, right? So... It's just it's not a schedule that shakes out favorably, right? Like even a game like the Jets, where you would say they have to have it, is an awful spot. I right. gave them a New England game that they're probably, if you looked it up, right. over over field goal dogs. Of course. Right? So And here's the other part, if you want to be truthful here, Kev, you had them not starting off well. Okay. Yeah. And if this team is one and four, what's the narrative around Drew Locke? It of course, it depends how he's playing, right? Sure. But you know of, what I mean? No, You've only I seen him in four or five games, and everyone's all happy, like, hey, he could take a step forward. Yeah. Then, boom, we hit Columbus Day, and they're one and four. All the shine is off the rose when it comes to the Drew Locke narrative. No, I – yeah, right? And and, it, and now part of this is, right, maybe this defense falls back, and maybe he's out there, you know, Matt Staffording the whole thing. Right. right? Maybe. Maybe. That's a lot for, for a year-two quarterback. I basically think the best way, though, to put this is if this team is a nine and seven, ten and six type of team, that means they have their guy on Drew Locke. Correct. It doesn't necessarily mean if they are not that, that doesn't mean that Drew Locke can't be their guy. Fair. But that means that Drew Locke has taken a massive step and it would be a surprise. To go through this, right? So I said I'd lean towards the over. Yeah. I have him at seven and nine, which right. means I should have no lean. But if I had to pick one after doing that, I picked the under. That's right. a that's a bad. You were bad generous. Bad. You were generous mm -hmm. in the game by game, and you still couldn't get them above the total. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very very interesting, in my opinion. We also talked about how much we like their offense, right? They certainly invested in the offense. It's almost the inverse of the Carolina Panthers. Okay, mm -hmm. Carolina Panthers have a new offensive-minded brain trust, right? And they were like, "We'll fix this." 
let's spend all our draft capital on the defensive side of the ball. In Denver, they trust the coaching brain trust on the defensive side of the ball. So it's like, let's give everybody, you know, the offensive tools and weapons. What that means is we're going to have an interesting conversation for fantasy purposes, Kevin. All these dynamic weapons, is it a fantasy herd? Or do you see some people specifically sticking their head out above the rest? We try to find some diamonds and fugazis for the Denver Broncos when we come back. Who's Kevin and I forgetting about? You want to find out? Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back in. It's the early line on SportsGrid. We're shining a light on the Denver Broncos, right? We've looked at their win totals. We've looked at their futures bets. They're a tough team to figure out because it's so tied up. And if you're a believer that Drew Locke can take a step forward, if he does, this offense is scary. We trust the defensive mind, some of the defensive talent that's there. But it's only been a five-game sample size. He had some ups and downs. So let's find out. With all that said, from a fantasy aspect, mm. what you got first? Give me a diamond. Give me a Fugazi. So I think that this is going to be the team, maybe more than any, at least to, that we've done to this point, yeah. where ADP will heavily dictate I got the, it the, the diamonds and the Fugazis. All right. I am going to start with a diamond of Philip Lindsay. Now, again, okay. I don't know, again, where our ADPs will lead us, but... Sure. I saw Melvin Gordon last year with Austin Eckler lose out to Austin Eckler, basically. There's a reason why one of them is still in a Chargers uniform. I don't see any reason why Phillip Lindsley does not remain a part of this offense. I don't see why he isn't the primary pass-catching running back. And I am assuming that there is a decent enough gap in between the two from an ADP perspective. There is a gap, just so you know, for both of them. Melvin Gordon right now is going as RB. 17. So right in the middle of RB2 territory, right? Yeah. Philip Lindsay, by contrast, is going as running back 33. So definitively, in, that's back in flex territory. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're looking at Gordon as a mid-range RB2. You're looking at Lindsay as a viable flex play. Yeah, I, I think that right there confirms it for me. I don't know if the gap between those two in workload is 16 running backs. Okay. I, I I don't expect that to be the case. And I think that Philip what Philip Lindsay is going to bring as a pass catcher and already being a part of this team. Like I yeah. know they paid Melvin Gordon, but that's done. Like they you've done it. You've you've made that decision to pay him. You don't have to he doesn't have to become a bell cow back. Like that'd be a big mistake with Philip Lindsay still there. So I think Philip Lindsay is gonna still be quite involved in this offense. Okay, and uh, enough so so that he is your diamond in the rough at number 33. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, um, I'm doing it the other way. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm doing it the other way. In fact, my diamond is Melvin Gordon. My diamond is Melvin Gordon at number 17. For me, and this is something that, you know, you just clearly will see it slightly of a different way. It's not about Philip Lindsay for me and his talent. For mm-hmm. me, Kevin... I'm concerned about the wrist injury. I'm concerned about the Lindsay injury. And I believe the fact that they went out and spent money and thought that they, like, quote unquote, had to do their due diligence on the free agent crop of backs. To me, the tea leaf I'm reading is that they are not confident in the health of Philip Lindsay. And I may be wrong. Okay, and if Philip Lindsay comes out and plays in 16 games, cool. But it's also, you know, I'm hearing just recently, you know, the. John Elway has not come out and said anything about a contract extension for Philip Lindsay, right? They're doing due diligence on the other running backs. To me, this could be that Lindsay injury issue. We didn't think it was that big of a deal, but 
I haven't heard anything positive. I want to start hearing positive things about Philip Lindsay and that wrist. And because we haven't, mm. I think this could be less of a timeshare. Melvin Gordon could crack into closer of that bell cow role. We've seen that before. I know he can do that. I know mm. he can catch passes out of the backfield. I know he can be the goal line horse. And I'm going to fade Philip Lindsay here. I'm going to ride with where they spent the money. I think Melvin Gordon, for me, is going to be a diamond, but mostly because I'm not I'm not buying that Philip Lindsay's 100%. Which is fair. I think it's funny, right? And this is why it's always in the eye of the beholder. You yep. mentioned the contract uh, perspective with Lindsay. My, and that, it was in the back of my head as well, but the t- completely different way. No, oh, they can just use Lindsay as much as they want. And then they can just let him walk. And Melvin Gordon will just then handle everything next year. Right. So it could lead to more work for Lindsay. See, I don't think it's the last year of the contract squeeze it out kind of thing, though. No, I, I think mean, it's an injury. I'm, I, think the, I think the deciding factor for me, right, is if I look at the rest of the running backs around Melvin Gordon. Sure. You know, kind of just, you know, if you gave me 15 through yeah, I got 20, you. right? So Melvin Gordon is 17, right? Mm-hmm. The two above him are names we've been talking about recently, Todd Gurley, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay, the ones right behind Melvin Gordon, I'll give you the four right behind Gordon. Okay, it's Chris Carson in Seattle, Lev Bell in New York, Jonathan Taylor, who we've talked a lot about, comes in at 20 and 21 is David Johnson, who we've also talked about. Yeah, for me, I I like David Johnson and Lev Bell, I think, over Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor and even Clyde Edwards Hilaire. The rookies are is a situation I probably won't find myself all that invested in. Right. Gurley is someone. After I think, our, especially our conversation with Evan uh, Birchfield, mm-hmm. I find myself actually higher on because he's like, right. "Yeah, look, they're just going to use him." You know what I right. mean? Um, and the, there was the other name you mentioned there was Chris Carson, correct? Who is one spot behind them? So they're both sitting there. Call it, to figure out. you know, call it round three. Yeah. All right, or early four. Uh, Gordon and Carson are still there. Who are you taking? If if I have to have one of them. I have to go with Melvin Gordon, yeah. I think, because yeah. Carson is not only off the injury, but at least there's a difference in style between Lindsey and Gordon to sure. where, like, if the Seahawks went hot hand, Carlos Hyde could be the lead back. Right. I will say the last guy you named was David Johnson, who I think I would take over every single other running back that you named on this list, which could maybe is a me thing, but... Um, that, that certainly kind of stands out amongst that group. All right, fair enough. For me, out of this group, it would be Le'Veon Bell, but I digress. This may be a homer for me. Um, but I think, listen, the injury and the rehab and the recovery for Philip Lindsay is definitely sure. something to monitor and can change your prospects on this running back room. So definitely keep an eye to that. As we come to the wide receivers, though, You know, Cortland Sutton broke out. You said it yourself, right? They're bringing in Judy as well. You still have guys like Deshaun Hamilton, KJ Hamler. We know about the tight ends. Tell me, uh, you think any of these wide receivers are diamonds or fugazis? Because you got Gordon as a fugazi, Lindsey as a diamond a little bit. How does that relate to the wide receiver room? So it depends on, again, it's it's very simply this ADP situation of where Sutton is going versus where Jerry Judy is going. I don't know if KJ Hamler in this scenario is going to be able to find himself. I don't know if he'll be fantasy viable year one, right. but Judy versus Sutton is very interesting. Sure. So Sutton is going as a number two wide receiver in right. drafts. He's number 19 right behind Calvin Ridley, right ahead of AJ Brown. So these young emerging wideouts, sort of in the same group, Devontae Parker right there as well. DJ Chark, right there as well. DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, right there as well. When we're talking about the border of back-end wide-out twos, high-end wide-out threes, and that vein. Do you think that we fixed A.J. Brown's ADP by chance? Because when we talked about... Yeah, everyone was listening to us on early line, and he got dropped down. I got to think. I mean, he like dropped 10 spots. He did. Because I don't he know. Absolutely I, I did. You know, maybe they started doing this more. Cortland Sutton <laughs> is 19. Jerry Judy, though. Yeah. Flex territory, 48. I see in this scenario, I Jerry Judy being more talented than Cortland Sutton, I don't think is any type of I don't think it matters either. Take. Now, maybe it doesn't matter, right? Because Cortland Sutton built up a little bit of a rapport with Drew Locke. That's all totally fair. But we're talking about again a, a wide receiver two, 
on an offense that has the potential to be somewhat prolific. Yep. And he's ridiculously talented. Yes. I, I think I could see myself with a lot of Jerry Judy shares come this fantasy season. That's interesting. I, I don't I don't hate that. My problem is what you just said about the rookie wideouts and how it's tougher for the rookie wideouts to get, you know, up and running. Yeah. And when I think of Cortland Sutton, here's my question for you. Cortland Sutton emerged to me last year. Right. Compare Cortland Sutton's prospects for this year with Chris Godwin. Okay. Why is Godwin so much definitively better and going to completely outproduce Cortland Sutton this year, in your opinion? I guess it's because Chris Godwin finished, I think maybe like wide receiver two. I know he was top five last year. He was great. So was so was Sutton. But was Sutton that good? And also, look, I mean, we're talking about Tom Brady and Drew Locke, and we I know that I know that Brady fell back, but. You know, All right. Chris Godwin okay, supposedly DJ Moore was a second year wide receiver who emerged also, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. DJ Moore is going at wide out 10, Cortland Sutton at wide out 19. Why the gap? You wouldn't you wouldn't consider Sutton uh, over Moore? I think part of that probably has to do with Jerry Judy, with all due respect mm -hmm. to Robbie Anderson, who has and the potential to be a, and Christian who, McCaffrey. <laughs> well, listen, I think McCaffrey more, yeah, but. Jerry Judy might be better than Cortland Sutton. Right? right. So you're high on Judy. So you think Judy at 48 from a talent Washington, perspective, right? Yes, I think he's a dumb. But I'm okay. saying from a talent perspective, right? There's there's no argument for Curtis Samuel over DJ Moore. McCaffrey is a running back. Like I understand how how much work he's going to get, but like if this is the other thing with this with this whole team, Lindsey's going to get work. We're going to see Melvin Gordon get work. We're going to see KJ Hamler get work. We're going to see – you mentioned Deshaun Hamilton. You mentioned Jerry Judy. There's two tight ends that we've also mentioned. Right. Fantasy herd. I mean, you want to talk about a fantasy herd. It's a, we could give you a diamond and a fugazi from each group. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So where do you take that? For me, when I see a fantasy herd, it depresses all value, right? Because Judy can have a great game. Then Sutton has a great game. Then the next week, oh, Noah Fant catches two red zone looks for touchdowns, mm -hmm. right? Then the next game, Melvin Gordon runs for a buck 65 and gets in twice. So this could be while taking a step forward and potentially prolific, potentially dynamic offense, right? Helping Drew Locke as the shepherd of mm. the fantasy herd. This could be, and giving him all the tools necessary to develop, this could be a problem for fantasy owners, though. Is this Could this be an offense, because it's a herd, that you stay away from? The one guy it's supposed to benefit, though, is the quarterback. So it becomes, yeah. where's Drew Locke going? And then you just don't have to worry about the actual specifics of it game to game. Yeah, so Drew Locke will be a QB, too, okay? Drew Locke, way far down. Drew Locke, I'm still trying to find them. Drew Locke, uh, 23. Right behind. You always talk about your high upside play, Dane, right? When you yeah. do your double quarterbacks. Could yeah. Drew Locke fit that mold for you? The high upside quarterback that I'm looking for this year is Baker Mayfield, because I think the hate has gone too far of him. There's even a story out there recently that he's turning down interviews. Uh, when people want to interview him, he's like, nah, I'm going to be silent. I'm grinding. I like hearing that. So Baker's the kind of guy I'm going to target, but I can see Drew Locke being the upside. I might take Sam Darnold as upside ahead of him also. But, you know, I, I yes, he could fit in there. It's all relative. Well, there you have it. Those are the Denver Broncos. We continue to look at the AFC West tomorrow into next week. We're going to keep it going. We got Bundesliga going. We got UFC. So keep it locked with us here on SportsGrid and the early line. We'll be covering it all. For Kevin, I'm Dane. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.